We are in our second Sunday of talking about the book of Matthew. We started this last Sunday, and we are going to just kind of continue. It's kind of worked out really great that we, we, we did this at the start of Advent. It kind of acts like we did this on purpose, but I'm just not that organized. So it just kind of worked out that way. And today we are going through uh, verses uh, 1, 18 through 25. The verse that, the, one of the first things that you hear is this verse here. Now, the birth of Jesus the Messiah took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Now, engagements were a little bit different at the time. Uh, just, a, just a little bit of a background. Uh, uh, if you go like, to some places, even like in the, the Middle East and stuff, some of these traditions uh, you might still see in, in, uh, in action here. Uh, people will, uh, families will kind of prearrange the marriage at times. And if uh, it can be as, they can be as young as 18 years old. There's been some talk sometimes about G uh, Joseph being much older than Mary and Mary being a younger person. We honestly don't know. Uh, we, we honestly don't know. The reason that sometimes that's been put into place is because uh, Joseph isn't mentioned, you know, as Jesus is walking, so it's assumed that he's passed on. And other times it's also because they had children, and some people like to believe that Joseph had kids from a, a different marriage and that he'd been married before. Um, it doesn't really matter, to be honest. Uh, I, I do, in my personal belief, I believe that they were uh, possibly closer in age. Uh, and that it was a, a arranged marriage, and that the Bible clearly states that uh, Mary had not um, been with Joseph before the marriage. Uh, after the marriage, uh, they, they were a normal marriage, and so uh, Joseph had brothers, and, and he had family, and he had all this kind of stuff, and so, uh, but the point that, uh, of this story is that Mary finds herself pregnant. During the engagement, the engagement could last over maybe a year, and they would still live in their families' homes or in things like that. They'd still see each other. These are small communities, you know, and things like that. And so Joseph, you know, would, would, would see her from time to time, and on one occasion, I suppose, he walked out and he just went, oh, hey, man. whoa, wait a minute, kind of let yourself go there. Uh, oh, wait a minute, oh, you know, and then it was just one of those things, you know, just kind of this awkward moment. And Joseph, immediately the Bible says that he looked at her and went, mm, and he decided to divorce her then and there. You know, there's been something on my mind before I get into this story. I got to talk about Benedict Cumberbatch. Uh, Benedict Cumberbatch, I'm sorry, I just, I, I can't get let go of it. Benedict Cumberbatch, he, he played Sherlock. He's playing in one of the Marvel movies, uh, Magic Boy, or what, what is it called? Uh, Wizard Guy, or something... Uh, Dr. Strange, that's what it is. Uh, I'm hip. But I saw this headline the other day. He's in a movie for Netflix called The Power of the Dog, and I saw this headline. Benedict Cumberbatch refused to speak to Kirsten Dunst on the set of the new Netflix film, The Power of the Dog. What a brute. That's just been bugging me. You know, what, a, what an insensitive twit. 
You know, those British people with their not talking to people and just the ego and all of this kind of stuff. And it just, I formed all this kind of opinion about him. I used to like him because he was in Sherlock. And now he doesn't talk to Kristen Dunst. I'm not sure who Kristen Dunst is. And, and it's actually <laughs> pronounced Kirsten. But how dare he be this person that doesn't speak to anybody. And I'm getting enraged and all that. I'm going through and everything. And then I decide to read the article, which is when you actually open it. Uh, you know, the thumb has to stop and you press and it'll, it'll open up more words for you. And when, and oh, it's the best app. You actually do this and you stop it and it will do that. You, there's more hidden, they, I don't know if they call them Easter eggs or what, but it's more. And you open it up and you read that in the movie, The Power of the Dog, uh, Kirsten Dunst and Benedict Cumberbatch are playing uh, adversaries to each other. They're, they're playing uh, people that aren't supposed to get along. And both of those actors are kind of uh, what they call method actors, meaning that uh, when they're on the set, they try to kind of be the character that they are, even when the camera's rolling and when it's not rolling. And they both decided that it would be better, since they're not supposed to like each other, if they didn't really talk to each other offset. They didn't want to destroy the, uh, the, the, the energy that they had by going to the commissary and saying, you know, sharing a cup of coffee together. Instead, they didn't talk. So not only did Benedict not talk to her, but Kirsten didn't talk to him either. But you don't know that from this, right? The first thing that you read is that Benedict Cumberbatch is a poopy butt face. And you, if you're scrolling along... That's what you believe. And I also scrolled along a couple of where there were headlines that said that Kirsten Dunst wouldn't speak to him. But that's what all it said. And so on face value, that's all we get. And many times, we form an opinion. When I first saw that, I thought Benedict Cumberbatch had a darker side. You know, I immediately added some drama to my head of, oh, these guys must be you know, there, there's something going on there, you know, and all this kind of soap opera stuff, and it turns out that they're just working. I just wanted to share that. That has really not anything to do with the sermon, but I just, if you see this, I just, you know, Benedict Cumberbatch, you know, he's a nice guy, he's British, you know, he talks funny, but he's, you know, and they're just okay. Don't you feel better now knowing that they're all right? All right, let's pray. Uh, no. So often, we look at headlines in our lives. We look at the surface, and we make judgments. And I'll tell you, I was in uh, news, uh, I used to be a producer in, in news, and I can tell you that it's very important to get the ratings. And sometimes to get the ratings, you have to put in that just first few sentences what they call a grabber, where the headline actually just pulls you in and you decide something. Back when I worked at it, we didn't have the scroll thing. We just had the grabber because we wanted you to read more. Newspapers do that, and they want you to read more. Today, we just scroll through. And just by reading that headline, we make an assumption, and we make a judgment. And sometimes it can be something that's kind of trivial, like, you know, actors. I tried to stay as neutral as I could. 
But we all know in the time that we live in right now, in our diversity and, and, and divisiveness and arguments and all of this kind of stuff, that there are headlines on both sides, that people have formed judgments without even looking further into the article or the facts. We do that even without the headlines. We do that when we look at somebody. I, I think I've said this before. When you first encounter a person for the first time, it takes six seconds, is what they say on average, for you to form an opinion about that person, for you to make a judgment about that person. So six seconds. By the time that I got here, if you've never seen me before, six seconds, you made an opinion. On average, there's, there's exceptions to every rule. But we've gotten to where the six seconds is something that we have put another word for it that is a dangerous word, fact. In six seconds, whether we are scrolling a headline, whether we are looking at someone for the first time, we claim it as fact. I think you're this way. That's a fact. I know you're this way. That's a fact. And so my opinion about you, before you've ever even opened your mouth, has already become ingrained as fact in my head. And so if my opinion of you, then that six seconds, or that headline that I read, that misinformation, positive information, negative information, whatever you want to call it, if that six seconds, if I form that opinion and make that a fact, it's harder for you to prove me wrong. That doesn't sound fair. And that's what Joseph did. I mean, we can look at this in a broad scale, but we can also look at it, and this, let's just take this story right here. Joseph sees Mary, and the way that I picture it, because it's always in the movies, is he hears about it, he forms an opinion, divorce her. Even though he's saying, I really like her. I, I really like her. I, I'm in love with her. I, I have loved her, but I the divorce her. Now, truthfully, this is an extreme circumstance. And truthfully, if, you know, if, I, if I walked out today and Allison told me she was pregnant, you know, I, I'd do the math, and then I would think, well, no, that can't be right. And then I would you know, be a little bit hurt. It'd be harder to convince me. Hi. <laughs> this is why we drive separately to church. But it's, uh, I'm going to continue. Just, it's, it's, for Joseph, it was a headline. And he didn't research. And thankfully, God intervened and got him while he was off guard and just said, hey, uh, there's more to this. Don't be afraid. Take Mary as your wife. Don't be afraid. Because the child that is within her is of the Holy Spirit. And it also is part of the prophecy of the religion that you have followed all of your life. 
This is God saying, here's the headline, read more. Read more, discover more. And more importantly, listen to your wife. You know, in this story, uh, Mary uh, is not really mentioned as having a voice in this. And in the time and the culture, she may not have. Uh, this might have been something where people talked about her instead of to her. And you just wonder if they had just gotten together and really shared their experiences, how much their faith would have grown just there. But instead, the story gives us different sides. In Matthew, it gives us basically Joseph's side. In the book of uh, Luke, it gives us more Mary's side. I don't know why there's not a story of the journey that they took together that included communication between the two of them. Had that happened, maybe the first part of this story would not even mention anything about divorce, but rather a celebration of what was about to happen. We can make that story today. We have division we have a lot of facts out there that are truly just false. We have a lot of opinions out there that are now facts. We have a lot of uh, things that have turned uglier, and a lot of people are not having their say because we've made an opinion about them in sometimes less than six seconds. And sometimes just about six seconds, we have decided whether you are a friend or an enemy. That will destroy us. The one thing that God knew in the story of Joseph and Mary is that they had to both be on the same page. It wasn't just important for them to go to Mary and say, this is going to happen and leave it at that, and now you try to convince everybody else. It was important for God to say, I need you both to know that there's more to this. Friends, I think that God's telling us that now. There's more to it. We, we get told right away, we have people that are, are, are uh, you know, we're in the middle of a pandemic. We have people that are uh, against it. We have people that are for it. We have people that, well, not for the pandemic. We have people that are, uh, that's a weird website, but we have people that are, you know, we have to look at facts in our life. Politically, it just depends on who says it. If you say this on my side, I'm going to agree with you. Four years later, if they say it, even though they're saying the same thing, but they're not on my side, I disagree with it. We're, we're better than that. We're smarter than that. We, go, we, we look further in our lives. We go past the headlines. We read further. That doesn't just go with stories from Hollywood. It goes for when we meet a neighbor. We can take the time to learn from each other, to talk about each other, to explore the things that make each one of us a story in the book of Christ. 
We can share our faith with each other. We can share our differences with each other. And we can do that about ourselves, too. You know that six seconds? We do that for ourselves. How many of us look in the mirror first thing in the morning and make a judgment of who we are? And how many of us don't give ourselves the benefit of the doubt? My prayer today is that we listen, we pause, we take a break, and we see, is there more to this story? Is there more to my neighbor? Is there more to myself? Would you pray with me? Gracious and loving God, we live in a fast-paced world. It doesn't have to be that fast. Help us to expand beyond six seconds. Help us to go further than just a headline. Help us to delve deeper. Help us to want to know more. Help us to seek and find. Help us give our neighbor the benefit of the doubt. Help us to be curious and learn more about each other and be blessed by learning more about each other. And help us learn more about ourselves and be blessed by that as well. In Jesus' name, Lord, we pray. Amen. We need to take the time to learn from each other. A hero of mine, uh, as many of you know, is uh, Fred Rogers. Uh, and he was talking to an interviewer, a very skeptic interviewer. And he said, do you know what the most important thing to me is right now? And he said, what? And he said, talking to you. May we, when we come across our neighbors, when we engage in that conversation, may that be the most important thing to us right then. Sharing and listening. And may we please, please do that for ourselves. Love God, love yourself, love your neighbor. Amen.